How how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Um, I'm excited. I like I was telling you earlier. I'm somewhat. I try to do the best to theme up. Yeah. For our discussion, I, I, closest I can get to Brad Pitt's shirt because I enjoyed that little. That's I cool. like that shirt. It was like a little that's like cool. chill Hawaiian little. Yeah, you know what? Like during when I do start drinking a beer, the beer intermission, I'll, I can run up and I think I can outdo you. Okay. I got a bowling shirt. Whoa. Whoa. Um, so Whoa. We, were, we were talking before. Um, let's just, we would be remiss if we didn't say okay, so, something about the Oscars. But okay, so at the time gonna, of this recording, yeah, we want to mention that. Because we, we're not sure when this is going to it doesn't go matter. It's going to be They'll just but, know when everybody's tuning in that. This is recorded know, right after. Right after the, the 2022 Oscars premiered. And nobody watched them. Um, We're not playing to the camera, by the way. We're playing to each other. So stop. I'm gonna play the, the camera. camera. I found one. All right. What, one quick at, couple lines about what you thought. Shit. Well, what what was your? Well, oh, like I said, I didn't even watch them. I've just been watching the highlights. Will of, you address what we were talking? Like, oh, okay. Everybody's talking about the Will Smith smack and Chris Rock about the tamest of jokes he made about. His wife's hair. Correct. I know, but what did it piss you off? Did I... Yeah, uh, not to the extent of like I was punching my screen. I was like, show a little class. I was like, you know, you could have talked to him after the show and been like, hey man, we didn't appreciate the joke. My wife's going through a medical condition. Who knows if Chris Rock knew or not? He was just doing like observe, um, you know, that kind of comedy. Exactly. Observing comedy kind of thing my and he wasn't even like you know what i mean he was it was a joke he wasn't serious about it and he was doing his job chris yeah. rock was doing his job and this is what pisses me off be professional yeah will smith be professional like you totally that was ridiculous yeah and what pisses me off is chris rock is there to entertain which the whole oscars is rewarding or grading people on their ability to entertain the just emotional basket casery of Will Smith to do that like it really pissed me oh, off oh and there's a lot with that so let, but free, let's not go down that rabbit hole freedom of speech like yeah. he just trashed freedom of speech yeah. he trashed being a professional yeah. he trashed a fellow professional yeah. who is there to do his job and if that kind of joke makes you that upset or that's going to be your reaction, you need to seek help, dude. Like that I, I was pissed. And that's yeah. that's all I want yeah. that's all I want to say and I don't think that there should be any free pass. I think he should be called out on it and I'm so sick of hey. I'm so sick of this these fake apologies. Yeah. It's I, I thought his whatever apology was genuine to the uh the academy but it certainly wasn't to chris rock and that's the person that should get it and yes and i'll just say one last thing and i'll shut up it's what everybody else said what about all the other participants and all the other people that won that night he totally clipped all that he's like here's the thing um because we live in this 2022 day and age and everybody gets so offended about everything i can't again i just can't believe it It was a gij 1990s joke yeah 
and it wasn't even that. Like, you can see the clip where initially he's laughing, his wife's not. But I'm like, again, whatever. Address it after the show. Be professional. Like right. I said, Chris Rock took it like a champ. Continue yeah, to he absolutely with it. did. Like, Good for talk him. about professional actor. You exactly. Keep, it's rolling. Keep moving. Um, but here, I want to play devil's advocate with this because, again, because of the day and age we live in. What if any of those change the race of one of those two men? I'm not kidding. Yes, do it. I'm do not it. touching it. Do it. I'm not touching it. I'm just saying. It is. I'm just saying. You know, I'm so sick of like too much emphasis on race in general. I am too. I think, I think a lot of people are. Uh, humanity in this day and age should we are humanity, and that's the the most non-racist thing that i can say and that and i genuinely feel we're all human beings let's just treat each other like human beings and uh i don't know if he got a pass because of the color of his skin but chris rock is also uh, an african-american so it's like it's just ridiculous but i'm not i'm not even touching i don't even want to say and i'm talking about uh professionalism and uh you know control your emotions you know you said it Say something after. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Let's 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 talk about something fun. That was actually good and fun. Let's, oh, so you agree it was good? Yeah, I, yeah, I told you. It was I fun. figured it was you good. had a uh, fucking Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. All right, the so man. Yeah, let's get into the actual thing yeah. that we're gonna talk about. Go so ahead. We're yeah, again, we're, uh, we're talking about Tarantino's latest, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can't believe it's been two years since it released. Yeah, I felt the same way. I literally thought it was like a year ago. Maybe even less. Yeah. That, um, yeah, I felt like it was less nuts. than a year. I saw it in the theater, and it was wonderful. And it, it kind of bummed me out that, you know, I rewatched it, obviously, for uh, Film Dicks, for our show. And uh, it was... It, t- it took it took a little away from the experience, for sure. But, but Tarantino's such a master, and there's so much going on in story. And uh, even the way he filmed it cinematically that I still got lost in the story but uh, it was wonderful to see it in the theater and I want to see it in the theater again it's so bad so how do you want to um I mean yeah let's just get into it okay I mean if we're gonna glaze over just like the plot or the story it's very simple it, it basically just follows this aging actor um, who, because of, you know, a couple years prior, maybe a little, little bit longer, he had an accident, and he's not as capable of, I guess, in terms of stunts, of doing his own work. That's why he, you know, the Brad Pitt's character comes in. But I, I, I think it... What? Yeah. Does not say, no. Yeah. No, he, he always had... He's always had stunt the... Stunt double. It's not because of an accident that he needed a stunt double. You, no. Yes. No, dude. Are we talking about the same scene? Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> this is funny. No, it's part sure of, of that character's makeup. He needs a stunt man. Most people in Hollywood need a stunt man. But no, he, he didn't stop doing his own stunts because he got hurt. I think what you did was you mistook the opening. So the opening of the show is... There's a cheesy, um, yeah, the, like, like ET person that's that's right. interviewing um, Rick. So uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Rick, the the aging actor. actor. Yes, and uh, beside him is his stunt double. Yeah, and also 
good friend in life. We'll discuss how good a friend. Um, played by Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, Cliff. I forget Cliff. what his last Cliff Booth. Name. Cliff Booth. I think Booth. Yeah, so yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Which those names are hilarious. Rick you know, Dalton. So. Cliff Booth. Yeah. Rick Dalton. <laughs> so it starts with this ET interviewing them. Just yeah. interviewing him, and, and he, what for whatever reason, thought it would be clever to put those together. Now, it, as the story unfolds, you realize that Cliff has to drive him mm-hmm. to his um, auditions and um, pretty much everywhere. Yeah, and the actual filming because he's had too many DUIs. Right. Yeah, but it's not. That's just a no, not like the DUIs, little, but but he mentions that he's had that. Um, and I'm pretty sure he mentions it later on in the scene when he's talking to the little girl on set, where he kind of breaks down because he's referring about the book that he's reading, but it's about him. He's talking about himself. He's talking about himself as an aging actor. He's yeah. not talking about himself as a broken down like person that can't do his own stunts. That's not. No, I think right, it's all right, okay. but you you somehow went on okay, some kind maybe of brain thing. Yeah, okay. it's there's right. it's really it honestly is nothing. There's no part of that in there. But we're going to talk about all these things that, that he did. But anyway, yeah, he's an aging actor. He's getting fewer and fewer roles. And his roles, he's becoming uh, the bad guy, yeah. which is uh, kind of a, a signal. It is a signal that... If you start, he's transitioning a from guy, a leading man, leading to, man to the side guy, side guy. And eventually may like lose his career, and he's too. so. So that's part of the main storyline. The other part is the friendship with his with uh, stunt yeah. and he's more than a stunt He is his good friend. Mm-hmm. He's he's his uh, driver. He's everything really. Yeah. He's his emotional um, support support. Yeah. yeah, which is the comical part. There's a lot of comedy in this. Like I would almost consider this a, a comedy. Yeah. There's so many humorous aspects yeah. uh, to to the whole and and a lot of Tarantino's. It seems like there's very few films. In fact, I don't know if there is one where there's not a comical element to it. There's always some kind of comedic break yeah. at the very least. Yeah, but yeah, th- yeah. this one certainly, uh, there's a lot of. You could almost say, like, that's what I'm going with. I'm saying you could say this is a comedy. But anyway, what, where where do you want to go from there? Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the plot. I mean, again, it just follows him as an aging, aging actor coming to terms with where he is in life. Or not coming to terms with. Or not coming. Struggling to come to terms. Right. So with, we already said what the storyline yes. is. Where do you want to go from here? God damn it, Blaze. Don't paste... What do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I Well, I don't know if this is going to lead to anything, but I usually like seeing on screen a movie about filming a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's, that's a good it's point. It's always cool to be like, think of the setup you have to go to to like have a, a set that's on a set. Yeah. I just always find that cool and fun. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And and Tarantino's educating the audience, the public, about hmm. what actors have to go through. One is, you know, you can become outdated, um, but the other is what happens offset. There's so many hilarious scenes behind that um, when the producer 
comes to talk to him about it kind of tells him where he at where he is in his career and what he can do for him but then like you said um one of the wonderful scenes which i know we'll talk about it's one of my favorite scenes uh is the actors talking to one another as they're waiting to shoot and uh oh, kind, yeah, of, yeah. kind of what they learn from one another and there's there's a, a lot of that but yeah it's it it's a it's hilarious because then you're like that's funny because that's true like the character the act the actors within the movie who are on set and interacting with one another is like spot on to like yeah it seems like certain people's personalities in sure. hollywood no probably. for sure and, and, yeah. and i think in a way that what it's what makes it slash a commentary on, on tarantino's part yeah and there's a whole i'm 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 delving into this separately i'm writing about we we need to cr- we need to name the genre of filmmakers being critical of Hollywood. And right now, there's not a name for it, so I'm going to come up with my very own term okay. Okay. And, and talk about this. But there's there's many, and it seems the most brilliant do it. Um, yeah. Lynch is one for, for Shorty. Yeah. Who's um, the one the, who... Um... The Coen Brothers did it, too. The Coen Brothers have done it several times. Yeah, are they the ones who directed Hail Caesar? Yes. Okay, then. Yeah, yeah that's another one. Absolutely. That's, a, that's, that's another really saying, good one. Like, I really enjoyed Hail that. Hail Caesar, uh, Mulholland Drive. Um, yeah, there's there's several. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, so there's that. There's his commentary. And of course, there's this whole underlining plot, the subplot of the time period that this movie takes place in with uh, Sharon Stone, I believe. Was it Sharon Stone? No. Something Stone. I forgot the girl's name. It's, uh, well, now you're making me forget. Damn it. God damn it, please. Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. Tate. Jesus Thank you, Mike. Yeah, Sharon Sharon Tate. Tate. Uh, And that historical figure and how that comes into play. Yeah, and it's done, he does it so well. You think it's interwoven. It is actually interwoven, and uh, Cliff plays a bigger part in that kind of plot subplot yeah. than Rick. That he kind of like comes in at the end, and we'll talk about that as well. Um, but he, you know, he takes that historical time period and historical event, event, major threat of major Charles threat. Manson. Yes, uh, in the ranch. Yep. Uh, again, there's a lot of humor in it. We'll Spe- talk yes. about that yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we can talk about that. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I laughed out loud. Yeah, I think you're supposed this, to. I think the, he meant no, I know, to do it. No, of course yeah. he is. Yeah, but I laughed out loud in the theater, and I was actually worried when I watched the second time on my little crappy computer. I was like, man, I hope I. It's as funny to me this time as yeah. it was, and I laughed just as fucking loud. It was. It's it's brilliant. It's we'll great. talk about that. But um, do you want to, should we talk about the, maybe just our favorite scenes and why, or, and then I want to talk about the writing at some point as well, but I just thought for, to entertain our audience, we should talk about our favorite scenes. So why don't you jump in, what what was your favorite scene? I'm not going to, well, I'm going to call it a segment than a scene, because it's the whole segment in the movie, maybe about halfway through, where he is... Um, he got a part on another Western where he plays the main bad guy again. And he 
basically comes on set after <laughs> drinking all night, I guess, memorizing lines. So he's hung over on the set in the beginning. And it kind of follows him through that day's shoot. And where he kind of has a moment of stumbling and a little bit of forgetting lines. And he, you know, they take a break. He gets super, you know, aggravated with himself. And then that little, he goes back to his trailer and has a freak out. I like that. That's a really good part. But as a whole, I love that segment where he's shooting that pilot. And again, it comes into play with interacting with uh, the young actress on set. Yes. And as well as with Timothy Oliphant's character, who he plays like the new leading man on the scene that they're trying to prop up. So he's, you know, acting alongside him. But that entire segment on that set, all those scenes together, was probably my favorite part of the movie, including the end. <laughs> so like, yeah, that part. But no, I, I, I love the same. Um, there's so many things to say about all of it. Including the fact that, and again, I think Tarantino is educating the audience on what actors have to go through. And one of the cool, he's given us insight into the old timers, but how people still do it. But there's wonderful scenes where he's showing, I don't want to say humanity, but but the humanity of each of these characters and and what they have to go through and kind of the, the, I don't want to say struggle, but the difficulties and the work put into it. Because even though, so um, Leonardo's character, he's, even though he's a aging actor, to show him studying his lines, there's also a lot of professional aspect to him. The yeah. fact that he, re- so he has taken the time himself. It's not someone else that did it. But what he did, he has this little recorder that he takes around. It's mm-hmm. an old 70s reel to reel. And he's he plays the the um, he plays all the characters in his taping, and it's in his voice where you know he tries to put accents in there, and that's funny too yeah, because yeah. you can tell there's a little bit of racism when he's doing the, the stereotypical like yeah character Mexican voices accents yeah, yeah. and stuff. So he has all those taped and recorded, and then his parts are blank. It's like dead dead air, and that's where that's how he practices. So mm-hmm. he plays this these tapes over and over again and you now that he's you know he's mixing himself margaritas or drinks so he gets drunk to rehearse which is not a good way of doing this no. but he's done all the the work before that by recording it all and, and doing that and then so he's not he's not like a lazy actor that doesn't give a shit about what he's doing right and that that it makes us care for that character too um and then he he shows up, um, hungover. And, yeah, go and in, go into a little more detail about um, the self-deprecation after he fucks up, you know, his lines. Yeah, so he has a couple of moments on uh, on set where he asks for lines, and then they call cut. And yeah, like that professionalism comes into aspect where he starts hating himself for having drunk that much, being hungover, and then yeah dropping lines because we never really no no we do we have people praising him in terms of not his current situation but we people have acknowledged his career in the past so in a way what's the best way I can, maybe ego comes into play he holds himself 
to high standards. Yeah. Again, professionalism, ego. I, right. I mean, you know, as an actor, you have both. And so he has this freak out in his trailer, and he's talking to himself, trying to hype himself up, you know. Yeah, I'm actually... I, you have I'm it pulled up right it. on your screen so right So I'm going to play it, but you're, you're right in what you're saying. He's, he is a respected actor. Um, he's not... There's not non-respect for him. Right. Um, and the producer that convinces him to, to do uh, Spaghetti Westerns, which I thought was also a cool element of this, oh, wow. that you have this actor who's used to doing all these uh, shows and films... And he is the lead guy, but now he's getting fewer and fewer roles, and he's the he's playing the bad guy. So this one producer recognizes it and loves like his work, but also has his stick of you know he represents the spaghetti westerns. So this is a new a branch for his career that you could either look at as you know it's not good or right. But anyway, the producer compliments him, the other actors do, etc. And uh, he's questioning himself and mm-hmm. his own ability. But you're right. He, he, it's not the ego that's like, I'm the greatest and I, I should have all the great. He's questioning himself as he is. He's emotionally immature, which is hilarious. Yeah. That's the funny <laughs> part. And he needs Cliff to kind of beef him up. And then, uh, yeah, this th- these are some of my favorite scenes. And he's going through a lot before he gets... To that big scene where he's matched up against uh, Timothy Elephant, um, and what was really cool was, I think uh, Elephant's a better actor than Leonardo DiCaprio. Really, myself. In, yeah, in I really. Here did. Or so in general? it was like in in general. Really. Yeah, for sure. So, to me, what I liked was this is art mimicking, you know, or mirroring reality to yeah. to a certain degree. And I wonder, I wonder if Tarantino, like what what was going through Tarantino's mind of this. But but regards, that that doesn't matter too much. It's just fun to talk yeah. about. But it's so cool. And these are one of the. This is an aspect that shows Tarantino's ability as a writer. One of the things that Tarantino does over and over again is he's not. How do I say this? He's not a guy that's that's he does all the elements. Like established character, mm-hmm. and the way he established character, I want to talk about that too. It's cool as hell. He establishes who the characters are, and then he develops them. But the way Tarantino does it is he puts pits character against character, which doesn't always mean enemy. Mm-hmm. It just means I'm going to put this character in this situation with this guy. I'm going to put this character in this situation with this girl. So for this film, it's he's with a younger actress. She's eight years old. And so he's like, I'm going to put these two characters together and see how they, they move off of each other. And he's said in interviews that that's how he comes up with situations that he loves to write about. He's thinking in his head, what can I, what obstacle or what um, incident can I create for this character? And he always likes to have characters um, going at it, which again, doesn't always mean like enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this... He's had the moment with the producer, and he's realizing, do I do this, do I not? And then he has the scene with the little girl, which we'll talk about in detail. And she kind of dresses him down and tells him, you know, and also embarrasses him. And we're not, and this is when they're, before they're doing their shot. Yeah. And she's more of a professional than he uh, is. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll talk about it because okay. we don't want to go off. 
but she she's also you know a you dick. know uh, kind of a know it all yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but she's clearly doing things and taking this a little more seriously than he is to a certain degree but so he went through that and so it's another thing that's that's uh elevating the tension of um, oh my god maybe i don't have my shit together maybe i am washed up and then he's in the scene with uh timothy oliphant and i just love that that he's in that interaction and he's fucking up his lines like you said because he drank he drank too much yeah. while he was rehearsing and he is he is an alcoholic he, you know he crashed his car and that's why he has to have cliff driving around and shit like that so then he's in that scene and he starts missing his lines and he, you see the build up he gets more and more angry and he's getting more and more embarrassed and they're not necessarily I don't remember well, do, they, a, do they criticize him for not they no, don't seem no, to no, act, no, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. no you don't um, you don't see it at least we're not told we, we don't right. know uh, he thinks they are for sure does he say as, it? As, 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 no but you can tell or maybe that's me coming could be. As, as an actor I, like, I feel like he is definitely hard on, harder on himself than anyone but I think he also feels like you know right. other people will be you know thinking yeah, yeah. the same thing that he is and um I love that scene where he, you know, finally he's messing up and he turns to the director or the producer. He's like, can we cut? He's like, no, no, we can't cut. He's just like, oh, come on, let's... That yeah, freak, yeah, I was yeah. like, God, God, please, God. And then it gets worse. Uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's so great. he goes through all this and then I'm just going to play it. Hopefully it's it's loud enough. And then he goes into his trailer and freaks out. And We're just going to play this. I don't care if we're... Well, we're not showing the video, right? We're not. So we're seeing this, and we got these flip clips. So he just snaps to the next scene. That's such a cool scene. Again, it's dramatic but comedy at the same time. It is. And it's developing the character because it shows that he's self-deprecating. It shows that he cares, but it also shows that he's emotionally fucked up. Yeah. And I just love it. It, Tarantino does so much of that, of these moments. And he does it in a lot of his films. But for this one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's showing you what happens with actors and what they go through and probably how they deal with themselves and probably he's witnessed the no, actors sure. do it. I'm sure. Um, and continues to develop the character and entertains us uh, while, while he does it. And then let's go ahead and we might as well just talk about the scene between uh, the little girl actors. Oh, So yeah. while he's waiting on set, he goes in the back alley and it's, it's a Western setup. Yeah. So he's just kind of wandering around and he sees this uh, little girl sitting in her, uh, not her actor's 
chair, chair. Yeah. and there's another chair next to her and uh, he sits down next to her and you you want to jump in there? Or? I said, pop on him and have it in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, um, so. Well, she's reading a book and she and it's he's got a book himself, yeah. which again is telling the character. He's reading a Western and it's um, kind of a pulp Western is what he's reading. And she's reading a book too, and he notices. So he comes up and he's like, "Oh, I'm the older actor. I'm going to be real kind to this girl and yeah. kind kind of like, yeah. I'll you know mentor her or whatever." And she is a precocious, intelligent, little at times snot, but she's also she's not a, a, just a brat. And she's right. reading the biography of Walt Disney, so it's hilarious that he again. This is Tarantino. Let's pit juxtapose. One actor with another, yeah. two characters, and see what they can learn from one well, another. Well, she's kind of like a foil to him. Because he's like the, again, aging actor. She's like the up-and-coming young actress. Right. So it's like you see the juxtaposition between, you know, somebody who's new and like wants to do well and is always professional and that, and somebody who's done it for years. Yeah. And it's kind of on a downward slope or, you know, questioning himself. Right. And stuff like that. So. Yeah. And he calls her by her name, and she's... She, yeah, she's like, she's I like, prefer not to go by names. I right. prefer she, to go by my character I'm, I'm name. St- I'm staying in character, yeah. and I've done it before. And she she tells him her methods, and they're different than what he's used to, which is so cool. She really is teaching him something, which also scares him. It scares him because he hasn't... This is an actor that's uh, depended upon... And done the same um, kind of uh, rehearsal or practice. He hasn't challenged himself um, or pushed himself to, you know, try other methods and things. And, and she's talking about, well, I did it this way and it didn't work, and this is why I stay in character. And so you see on his face as the discussion continues, like it starts to drop. And then he, uh, so they're reading their books. And he says, do you mind if I sit down? And she's like, I don't mind as, as long as, you know, you're not going to kind of interrupt. I, I want to stay in character. And so he sits down and he's like hemming and hawing and making noise. And, that, and she, that's everything that she doesn't want, but she, like, she allows clear it. His throat he clears his throat and, and he lights up the cigarette. So he's making all this noise. But then they have this discussion about what they're reading. Right. And then she asks him, you know, what are you or reading are about? You reading? And he's like, yeah, well, yeah. and he's reading about... The very character that he is right now, and he's so he's reading about a a, a, a cowboy that tames uh, broncos. Um, I forget what the character. What was that? I forget what they called the um, the the character in the, the book. The character in the book. Oh, oh gosh, I can't remember that. It's all right. Yeah. It's something to do with bronco. Um, and as he describes to the girl the storyline. It's he used to be. He says he used to be young, um, and he was quicker, and now he's aging. He's got a, an injury, and so he just doesn't know. He's questioning himself, and he doesn't know. And so as he's reading, as he's telling her the storyline, he's realizing, oh my god, this is me, and he's he breaks down, yeah. which is a, such a cool moment. He breaks down, and starts crying in front of the girl, and she is not just a brat. Because she comes up to him and, and like comforts him, yeah, you know, and the, and they have that moment, and it's it's really cool that whole discussion, 
I don't know if you want to talk more about it, but that's uh, what. Well, so he goes through that before they actually film, and he's up against right. Tilly, uh, Timothy Oliphant, his who is a really good actor in the in the film too. And uh, and then he starts fucking up his lines in front of all these people, and so he had that moment with the girl first, and, right? And he was already questioning, it. and so that just fucking yeah. it just hurts him, and he, you know, they take a break, and he goes into his trailer and starts cussing and swearing, and the part Freaking that he already played, yeah. But I just yeah. want to say, and then so the writing, uh, the the moments. So here's Tarantino. Okay, I'm gonna put the aging actor with this. Uh, young actress who's got her shit together who's working as a professional and she shows him this stuff she also shows kindness and then I'm going to put him against uh, Timothy Oliphant who is a up and coming actor who really knows his shit and respects um, Leonardo's character but yes. also is like watching to see how he does things and th- all those moments where he's with another character that it further develops this character. And one of the things that I always uh, teach in script writing and writing in general, you establish the character. Tarantino did it brilliantly with the opening with him and uh, Brad Pitt. Here's my stunt man, and he's acting all cocky and whatever. And then the very next scene is he starts to break down and question himself. And Cliff, his stunt man, has to build his ego back up to get him ready. To, to, to decide if he's going to do spaghetti westerns, etc. And then simultaneously, we establish Brad Pitt. And this is also one of my favorite scenes in the film is when Brad Pitt drops off uh, um, Rick. What's Rick's last name, the character? Dalton. Rick Dalton. So Cliff drops off Rick Dalton, who's mm-hmm. Leonardo. And there's this hilarious shot where he's pulling in the driveway to take him home. And he had already cried. <laughs> <laughs> he had already cried and in the driveway is the giant poster of himself rick in an old western which is hilarious in itself and that is kind of an ego thing and then he's like so you feeling better now and then he leaves and then we see rick uh i'm sorry we see cliff brad pitt driving around hollywood leaving the nice hollywood hills to go to his house which, which is, is not a even a house fucking trailer yeah it's a trailer on the backside of a um, drive-in, movie, drive-in theater. movie theater, which there's a lot of Tarantino history with that as well. And we see him feeding his dog, and they do a series of close-ups. And so we get a close of the dog food can. He opens the, the cover, and there's these dog food cans. And you see him thinking, what does my dog want today? So he's reaching, and then he hesitates, and he goes to pull another one. And that's really telling of character it's establishing who he is and so he opens that up and they they do a close of his stove which has got a grease filled um uh skillet yeah and a old pot of spaghetti um the little curly pasta he uh puts the the grease i think he puts some of the grease on the dog's feet but anyway they do a close-up of, of the pan then they do a close-up of him uh dropping the the gross ass a log of dog food out and all these little close-ups and then brad (laughs) pitt or um uh cliff talking to his dog and that's so wonderful again juxtaposition 
here's the actor that that was established and has the Hollywood Hill home and all the money, and yet he's the guy that builds He's him up, breaking down, yeah, and goes to his you know shitty trailer, little trailer, and then he loves his dog, and, yes, you know, so we get to know that character again. Brilliant, establishes character, then well, he let's uh, juxtaposes them, so we juxtapose them. So not only are we establishing each character, we're we're developing the characters by showing their differences, oh. and then he continues it with the challenges that each uh, individual, each character brings to the other character. And it's just, nobody's better than Tarantino at that. Sure, there's people that equal it, but it's it's a testament to his ability as a writer. It's, it's wonderful. He doesn't focus too much on an actual climax. There's, there are climaxes in films. His main thing is character juxtaposed against well, character and how can I develop these through the differences and also their interactions. Th- that, that's why I told you the, when we spoke over the phone is um, that's why I thought this was like one of his tamest uh, films. It's more of the like social commentary and the the whole life of an actor and stuff like that. Right. It's not your typical what you would expect from Tarantino. I think that most people would envision until like you get to the very end, which is only like a couple of minutes long. It's and so there. what I think what, what you're saying is there's not is there's not the amount of violence yeah. in this film that we've seen in a lot of right. other violence. And by the way, people that always harp on too much violence, etc. There's violence in the world, so deal with it. It it's, happens. And no. he's doing it partly humorously and partly entertainment. But you're right. It's this film is more developing the characters yeah, more character their, driven. Through their interactions. Yeah. And less of the the tense action, action yes. that has a lot of tension to it and a lot of build up and excitement. There's just as much tension in this. It's just a different kind of tension. It's like a slow burn tension. It's like what's going to happen with this aging actor? Is he going to pull through? What's going to happen to? Um, I would keep wanting to say sidekick, but his stunt man Stunt-stunt and friend uh, and. As they weave their way through this. And all the while, we have the elements, the thread of the mansion. Uh, the Manson. Killer Manson. Manson <laughs> the mansion killer. Manson. Kill, uh, Manson. Uh, Charles Manson. And, we only, and I love that he didn't focus on Manson. He did not, not focus all. on Manson. Not at all. We see him a couple times. But oh, that's it. I it was it. Like once. It may have only been once. Like the actual character. I the think actual only character once in one scene, but he's referred to. Throughout the film, and it's hilarious because he's going to Sharon Tate's house, yeah, um, looking for somebody else, and they check each other out, and then yeah, he's looking for. So that that's partly history, the history of what actually happened, with, right. uh, with Manson, but but twisted with Tarantino's right. own because right. you know he was he was hoping to get a recording contract, and. I don't think he ever went to. He didn't actually go to Tate's house for that recording or whatever. So Tarantino kind of twisted that a little bit to do that, but um, th- which was interesting. Um, and then, um, yeah, I feel like I'm bogarting. What do you want? Do, do you want to talk about the mansion thread? Oh, uh, we can, but let's mansion, uh, mansion, mansion, the mansion thread. Yeah. Um, no, let's. Talk, I want to talk about uh, I guess Cliff a little bit. I, I, we we spent yeah. so much time talking about Rick's character. Uh, Cliff, uh, played by Brad Pitt. Um, well, I did just talk. That. I said he got established well, and he juxtaposed him. Yeah, yeah, but like his whole 
thread as a character. Can you still you can still, you can't yeah, hear that? It's actually picking up more. I don't know really? if it's the, the new uh, program, but it absolutely is. But that's cool. Go. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, relatively speaking, he doesn't get as much lines. I don't think is uh, Rick in the movie. But like I said, they do a very good job of establishing who he is. He gets as much film time. Yeah. But yeah, right. But not, not as much like speaking. He's not, and he's not as vocal. He's yeah. not, well, he's not acting, but yeah. he's. But he's, I think that's also part of his character. He's yeah, not a very absolutely. Yeah, he's vocal more, guy. Uh, yeah. And it's funny. I like his, so his, yeah, his thread is interesting because as much as he's his support for Rick, you can kind of see he himself is struggling uh, because then they come to a part in the movie where he is honest with Rick, and I think it's after he has a talk with that producer. They have a talk with the producer about the spaghetti westerns and stuff like that over in Italy. He comes out, and he, you know, he tells Rick, he's like, he hasn't had a job in months himself as a stuntman. And they refer to, I believe it's an incident. Well, you, we find out why. Yes. We found out why. But you, you see himself. Let's, should, in, let's not tell why. Just, just in case someone hasn't oh, seen this. Okay. Unless you want to, if you feel it's important to do it. Well, it's it's funny because there's okay. Well, let me say this first about him is like we find out as much as he is the, all this, basically like life support for Rick. Yes. He himself is also struggling. Not on a major case, but you can you feel for him. It's like oh, he's taking care of Rick all the time, and then but, you know, he himself is kind of struggling. He's not getting work. I don't. I feel for him because I don't think Rick is as good a friend to him as he is. Rick isn't as appreciative. I don't think that character gives a crap about the struggle. Like he's accepted the struggle, and he's definitely emotionally more mature. Yeah, but he's okay. He's this is part of his like just what I'm doing. Well, they mentioned they mentioned he's a tough man. He's a war and he can. um, veteran yeah and he can handle it and so he's he's a different personality but i don't i don't feel like he financially well yeah you know he's not nearly a set but i don't think he gives a shit i don't think he cares there's nothing in the film that indicates that he would want that he would want more and that's why i love that character and it's another difference here we are juxtaposed to Leonardo wants. There's the protagonist. He wants. He has the desire to to not, you know, become unrecognizable or uh, to to go down in history in a bad way. And Brad Pitt is. He doesn't have. He has very little desire. He's set and and happy. I would almost say I don't want to say happy, but but. And one of my content. Favorite scenes in content, thank you, in the film is Brad Pitt on the rooftop yeah. fixing the antenna, the TV antenna. So this is the cool thing. And I know I interrupted Ray, so we'll go back to what you were talking about, the stuntman, which is another great freaking scene where he's in the back alley with the other stuntman, uh, one of which is no other than Bruce Lee. And But before that, and it leads into this, um, Rick... The struggling actor or the aging actor tells uh, Brad Pitt, Cliff, his buddy, he's like, 
Yeah, the, you know, he's like, Brad's like asking, when do you want me to pick you up? And when do you do this? And, when do you, and he asked, you know, asking for the job. And then um, Rick says, yeah, in the meantime, well, I need my antenna fix. So he's, he's still like a chore boy to him, yeah. you know. And then so we see the next shot, Brad Pitt's climbing up. And he doesn't climb up. The way he hops up on the, yeah. on the roof is also telling he's like real uh, physically capable dude. He jumps up on a fence and then jumps up on a gutter and then jumps up on a roof. And there, there he is. And he takes his shirt off and he's up on top of the roof. And I love that Tarantino thought of this, of this moment of riding a character on top of a roof, looking over the Hollywood Hills and taking in kind of moment. And... His questioning is, he's thinking of the the times in the during the day, and so you hear a voiceover of of Rick, his friend, saying and complaining about certain things, and so he's it's kind of his analysis of he's analyzing the day, right, and he's dealing with the things that he's gone through, and what's so cool about that is he deals with things completely different than. Rick, uh, Leonardo, the aging actor, he goes in his trailer and kicks things around and gets all upset and, you know, it's just near a breakdown. And um, Cliff is up on the roof, you know, for his little chore boy job. And he just goes through the moments. And then so we jump from that to him in the back alley with the other stunt boys. And we come back to, so it's like a, a, a flashback and then yes. back to real time where he says, yeah, that makes sense. I should have been fired. You know, so he's going over the scene <laughs> yeah, right. and he got, he gets fired and he's like, yeah, I should have been fired. But do you know, so there's a guy that's got a, sh- he's got his shit together as far as like emotions and he's content and he questions things, but he's not going to, Flow out. He's not gonna. He's not gonna deny his own flaws. He's gonna admit them. Whereas Rick has a much more difficult time, you yeah. know, admitting what he's done wrong. Even though he yells and screams about it, um, but he just doesn't handle it the same way that Brave. And I just yeah. fucking love that. I love that on the on the rooftop. I love those those moments like that. So I interrupted you. Wow, that was a great scene. Uh, that flashback, we find out the reason for him not really being getting jobs anymore is that whole incident. Well, actually, no, it's, it's part of it, part of an incident, and then the other part is an anecdote about his wife. That do we want? Uh, do you want to? I don't. I don't know if you want to talk about. It. It's a very <laughs> quick snippet about. Right, but the, but the reason about, I want to ruin it because this there's also a novel version of this that Tarantino wrote. And it is different than the actual film. And he goes into detail about did he do it mm-hmm. or did he not do it? Because it's not clear in the it's film not. that he did it. It sets it up. So I don't know if we should or not. But but at least talk about that brilliant scene with Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Kurt Russell plays like the uh, the handler for the extras alongside. Like he's, he does it for one set. And his wife, Kurt, like... Is the other like uh, handler on set? I don't know. Or she, producer, I think. Well, maybe she something, but I don't know what. And this, so this is in the flashback, and um, 
basically, you know, he gets, they set him up, even though they're reluctant about this because of the story of his wife. So Kurt Russell's wife, he was uncomfortable around Cliff for that reason. Right. But he agrees. He's like, okay, we'll do it. And he's like, and he just tells Cliff, like, but just stay away from my wife. <laughs> yeah. And um, But before that, so... Kurt Russell's character, the the stuntman handler, the guy yeah. that takes care of that, has a conversation with Rick, Rick, and Rick is trying to convince him to take Cliff on, to, to take Cliff on, yeah. and then he hems and hauls, and he's like, "Well, I don't know," and then and uh, Rick stands up, tries to tries to get him for it, but then it's hilarious. He's like, um, "Kurt Russell says why?" He's like, "You know what?" I just don't think he fits in. And in fact, the guy creeps me out. And yeah, I just like, don't, I don't want like him around. Him. And he tells him tells him why. And then Rick stands up and says, Hey, like, you got me there, but he looks like me, whereas these other guys don't. So you need to you need to at least try to put him in here. He's like, I wouldn't push. And then he says that hilarious moment where Rick, his friend, says, I don't care. You know, drop a house on him. Have him get hit by a Lincoln. You know, like he's like, beat the shit out of him, but give him this job. Yeah. Which is kind of telling of, of of that character too. And again, developing. And then he goes out uh, into the, I want to say the back alley, but it's like a bunch of the stuntmen are, are sitting around. Yeah, they're just uh, waiting, talking. I guess. Go ahead. Yeah, so, chilling and waiting. And I guess considered the controversial scene of the movie with, uh, that's where Bruce Lee's character is and he's giving up why do you say controversial because people are like arguing well people were like maybe not people but i know in that uh no i think you're interview right with I'm, uh tarantino who's talking about that scene it was uh bruce lee's daughter or a family yes, member was absolutely. not happy with that scene yeah um another but, reason why i fucking love tarantino <laughs> because he's not afraid in this day and age, with with whatever way you want to say it, politically correct or the the kind of I want to say attack culture is the way I see it, and Tarantino will would rather have a great story, and first of all, he's story first, and he's also kind of you know letting us know in the history, and you don't necessarily know if it's true or not, although we do know because in an interview, at least Tarantino's version of this, but Tarantino's not afraid. To put those things in his film, first of all, knowing that there might be some kind of controversy. So he puts Bruce Lee in a bad light, which Ray is going to describe to you. Um, but he's not going to take that out of the film because it's going to cause an uproar. He's going to put it in the film yeah. because it enhances the film. And it's such a great moment to see Bruce Lee get his ass kicked. You tell him how. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's sitting there. He's giving some sort of like philosophical speech about um fighting right he's showing and, off so yeah, all the yeah, stuntmen yeah, are gathered off. around yeah. he's showing off and he's going oh well he's like giving this like speech about like what it is to like be a real fighter and not just like doing the stunt stuff like yes. fake fighting for films and then he brings up or somebody asks him about fighting some kind of historical maybe boxer or some kind of fighter i don't remember the the, the figure's name <laughs> Don't fucking blame me for it. I don't care. Oh my god, are you serious? Do you know who the boxer is? No idea. Well, he says Cassius Clay. Do you know who Cassius Clay is? I've heard the name. 
Also, oh, yeah. You know what? This hey, hey. Don't let Ray fool you, audience. This is one of the fucking reasons we're doing this podcast. Because Blaze is going to educate Ray in history. And he's going to... He, Ray is a phenomenal actor. I'm also I'm not American. Push this so. And I'm going to make him a better actor by learning history and watching all these films. But Ray does it anyway. But Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. Mm. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> so he's the guy with the boxing thing. Muhammad right? Cassius Clay is his real name. His real name. I shouldn't say that. Cassius Clay was his given name, and he mm. changed his name to Muhammad Ali because I didn't his, know that because of his religion. That. He did, and but they used Cassius Clay because he was still Cassius Clay time. during okay. the time of the yeah. film. Okay. But but Ray is saying he. Um, Somebody asks Bruce Lee if he would who would win between him. But before that, it is cool that that Bruce Lee talks about he he praises he does he praises Cassius Clay because yeah. he says this is combat where man versus man and you could die in that yeah. in that fucking ring and I love that too that's a, it's a whole thing I love yeah so it's like it's a bit like ego on his part but also like showing respect yeah so so you they they show that he is a master and that's what kills yeah, yeah. me Tarantino is not saying Bruce so he, Lee yeah was he's not shitting on Bruce Lee no, I don't that. think he is he's not. Um, and then continue. So well, well, actually, I, I want to continue on this point. It's interesting because I, I mean, I didn't live, you know, I wasn't alive during the time of, of Bruce Lee, and I feel like this very rare footage, actual footage of Bruce Lee, aside from his movies, sure, but like actual, yeah, I don't combat think stuff that he's done. It's not a lot. Yeah. So he, I feel like maybe the mindset of Tarantino is like, well, let's take this historical figure who. He, he earned his place of where he is. He's not denying that. But he's saying, like, was he always, like... You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel there was a point maybe he was taken down at some... Like, we don't know. Yes, This is a maybe, know. like... Absolutely. Maybe it hit, maybe it didn't. And, kind and of Tarantino does a bunch of these in this film where yeah. he's just speculating, but he's a writer. Yeah. And he's writing these cool little snippets of, you know, what an actor might do... Behind the scenes, you know, what he might yeah. do when he sees another actor that's better than him. Yeah. Um, and also uh, the famous storylines that we do know. Yeah. Even uh, Charles Manson. 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 <laughs> Even Charles Manson. He's he's uh, imagining what yeah. like that ranch was and these things that happened. Yeah. And we don't know exactly. And so this is part of Tarantino's part imagination of saying... I'm gonna I'm gonna make up the story. Part of it probably there. I think there might be some, but he's he's um, you know he doesn't know that actually the stuntmen were all standing around and then yeah. this kind of thing happened. Um, although yeah. well, although he may have been talking shit, somebody may have told him that he was talking shit about Cassius Clay yeah. and that he could have beat beaten him in a. Well, so we have this historical figure. We we have Tarantino doing like a what if scenario, which is interesting because. I don't know if you ever talked about this. We have Bruce Lee amongst these, like, the, the stuntmen. But it's like, would Bruce Lee ever have been around stuntmen on breaks? You know what I mean? That's, like, another thing I thought. I'm like, huh. It's like I bet he would. a leading dude. What, which is, yeah, which is adding more, like, a grounded aspect to him. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know. I was well, not alive during the time. I've been so on can't verify professional it. movie sets. And I can tell you this. Everybody mixes with everybody. It is sure. like well, you're this is the, this whole stigma about like food court. 
And like Well the whole like thing about like, you know, the leading actors, they don't like really mingle with everyone. And I've I've witnessed that on some of the sets that I've been on. They don't really like they kinda uh, keep them. It's both. It's both. But I think part that, of it, part I think of it depends on the character. Depends on it's the person a, right. who you are. It's being professional and maybe they're like trying to keep their mindset and they're thinking and and there's gotta be nerves too. I mean, Jesus Christ, I know just us, you know, I'm nervous before uh, uh, doing a scene for sure, and I have to do things to like, uh, you know, focus on what it is I'm trying to do before you actually get in the moment. Mm-hmm. Which sure. I want to talk about that someday. Like how I I think the moment is a character in itself. I, I told you that once, and we kind of talked about. Yeah. It. We'll, we'll talk about that again. But yeah, go ahead. But yeah. Anyway. We have, yeah, Bruce Lee kind of giving a philosophical speech about real fighting and kind of showing respect. And then and Stuntman asks him about taking on Cassius Clay. And then he says, I, I think basically Boyz also says he's, he would, in the end, he would win. Win, uh, yes. And then that's when Cliff laughs. Cliff, and, and he says, Cliff says, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and he's like, yeah, cocky. Yeah. He's like... I love Brad Pitt in this because it's a dude. He's a freaking man on film. You know what I mean? And he can play that man. It's it's like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was talking about this and how we're losing or there's so few dudes that can actually play like a man. And they are fucking men, which means they're not little wimpy, I don't know, I'm sorry. Emotional basket cases or, you know, playing to the popular whim or whatever the hell it is. And he just he just chuckles and he's like, wait a minute. So you're saying that in a fight you would beat Cassius Clay. And that that is just how it starts. Go ahead. Yeah, and then uh, basically and then Bruce Lee kind of comes back at him, you know, saying well, I forget exactly what his response was, but it boils down to um, him agreeing to do like a. Well, he does say, "Who are you?" and "Who are you?" Yeah, yeah, and then it's like, and then they go back and forth a little. They have bit. a little back and forth, and that builds up to. Um, I think Cliff instigates it, or no, 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 Bruce Lee does. He says, "A friendly contest." Yes. Um. To like spar, like a gentle spar. Right. And, um, and, yeah, that's when he does the whole, like, Bruce Lee-isms. Yeah. And, he's, uh, he's kind of warm up and he's... Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. And it's, it's, uh, it's real martial arts. It's not like... Well, yeah, he's like, no, it's you not, know, not, yeah, But he is making a show of it. He's kind of puffing himself yeah. up. It's like a, you know, he's kind of like one of those birds that puffs him up. Yeah. Not a peacock, but like a blowfish. <laughs> and, uh, go ahead. Yeah, and then he, um... So the first round, or like the first, you know, yeah, I'll call it a round. First round, he like chest, like uh, sidekicks Cliff in the chest and he knocks him down. Knocks him on his ass. Yeah. Um, Cliff gets back up. He, he, he gets back up. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second time, I think it's only twice, right? Yeah. And the second he does it again, same Well, move. there is combat going on, so they're like, they're matching, so... So uh, Bruce Lee yes. is seeing, oh, this guy is capable because he's blocking his, his shots. And yes. Bruce Lee is fully capable too, blocking yes. shit. And so that's really cool. 
well uh, orchestrated. That was fucking oh, yeah. brilliant. That was awesome. Good. Um, so after like the actual like hand to hand stuff, he sets him up for another like sidekick, and that's when he when Bruce Lee jumps, Cliff takes him, grabs him, and just like tosses him <laughs> into the fucking car. And whose car is it? And it ends up being uh, Kurt Russell's wife's car. <laughs> Who already hates him. So, yeah. And they come out and they see poor little Bruce Lee. It's not poor little Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee's tough. You know, he's yeah, he, like, he got back getting up. up. He gets back up. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're fighting Bruce Lee? Like, And she, so she's probably working on that film with Bruce Lee. Yes, yes. And then... And then she sees her car, <laughs> and then and then we cut back to the rooftop. And that's like, yeah, that's so when he's Cliff a man. Realizes, he's going through like, the moments of the day, and he goes, "Yeah, I should have been fired with this <laughs> with this grin." I just, it's yeah, fucking, it's great. It's, it's great. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then he is the one. Then is I need to join you on a beer. You keep talking. Yeah, Do man. you want another beer? Yeah. I'll All right. Beer. Are these twist offs? No, these are not twist offs. You're supposed to be talking about the film. Well, you're talking in the background. I can't. We can't be overlapping. All right, all right. Well, well, he's trying to do that. So the whole point of uh, the other aspect of Cliff's storyline is he comes across the hippies from Charles Manson's cult. Let's call it what it is. His ranch. And uh, the way that happens is while he was driving Rick back one day to do a quick shot of... These girls crossing the sidewalk Grandpa's as they're at a red corner. light. It's a butt corner. Yes. And um, he makes eye contact with one of the girls. And you're like, oh, they're setting up a little like attraction thing. Um, and then he comes across her a couple more times. And I think the third time Cliff comes across her, he's, I think, in Rick's car again. Yes, in Rick's yeah. car. And it's she's by herself and she's hitchhiking. Let's and he keep going. Well, I can't talk over the sound of you peeing. They can see it, dumbass. <laughs> By the way, I'm drinking Streetside, one of my favorite breweries in Cincinnati, out of a Listerman's glass, another one of my favorites. Um, John Lemon, it's an awesome New England. Um, it's got lemon in it, and the little walruses are uh, shaped like hops. But Streetside Brewery, support your breweries. Great little uh, local brewery here in town, which my new production facility and where we'll be filming out of, hopefully, if all goes well, it's going to be right across the fucking street from Streetside Brewery. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Anyway, so he comes across for the third time. She's hitchhiking back to the ranch, and Cliff is finally headed. In the same direction. And so he stops, he pulls over, and um, he asks her yeah. where she's going. Time out. Not right. time out. I'm going to keep talking. I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. Another cool aspect. Quit it. Get your hands up. Can you sit off These the are table? my elbows, sir. Can you sit off like me? Jesus Christ. Um, I talk with my hands. Well, I know, but I know that this picks up the recording, so I keep my fucking hands off the table. Another, I guess, showcase that shows Tarantino's talent is that he's beautifully threaded yeah. these kind of 
moments where he sees this girl. So the first time he sees her, she's dancing in the street and she's hitchhiking. She's dancing they're like singing this weird culty song, and, and they're collecting up. garbage. Yeah. And, yeah, and he sees him, and he's he's like, all right, and he's attracted. She's yeah. a very attractive yeah. girl, and then she asks him for a ride, and then he sees her again. But Tarantino brilliantly threaded this girl throughout the film, and then like you said, he finally he doesn't take her the two times that he's not going which again is telling of character he's like he's not gonna like just pick up a girl to take her where she wants to go he still does his things that he's gonna do yeah the only time he gives her a ride is when he's heading in the, the direction same direction that she was that going. She is. Yeah. yeah and so he asks her you know where, where she's going she tells him um i forgot the name of the ranch but it's a ranch that rick and cliff used to shoot westerns at Yep. Before it closed down, I guess. And uh, <clears throat> he he agrees to take her. And, you know, she... <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a great moment where, you know... Again, like you said, they kind of... They're flirting. They're, they're flirting. And then she's just like... <laughs> she basically is like, Can I, you want me to give you a blowjob while you're driving? And there's that great moment of, like, Cliff being... Can I see some ID? Because <laughs> so, you know, yeah. he's like he'll flirt, but he's like smart enough to not just you know, yeah. hook up with any again chick telling that he picks of up. character yeah. and a character and a guy that's got his shit together. He's not going to take advantage of somebody that's too young, and he knows yeah, that exactly. she's young. He's like, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, mess around with a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he ends up taking her to to the ranch where they used to shoot, and this is it's already it's like abandoned now. <clears throat> it's run down. All these. It's not mo- abandoned. They're, well, no, all these like it's like a hippie, hippie convoy, convent, or convent, or whatever you want, whatever the word is. But 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 it's run down. They're not maintaining it. No, by any means. <laughs> it looks like shit, and um, which is another Tarantino, like he's ripping on. That that era and the <laughs> bad side of hippies, yeah. But you can, uh, you know, Cliff is instantly catches on that something's not right, and because, um, like we said, he used to he used to work there. He used to be on oh, Spawn Movie Ranch. Anyway, he catches on something ain't right. All these hippies are coming out of the woodworks, and he's like, oh, that's, "That's fucking weird." And so he asks to meet the owner of the ranch, whom they were friends with. Yep. Um, and uh, he worked with it one time. And yes, yeah. yes, they used to work with him on that ranch. And so he goes up to like eventually the he, well he gets introduced to a couple of the other girls there. And you see, you actually you see a couple of them, or maybe just one was like also pregnant that comes yeah. out to meet him. And uh, eventually he makes his way up to, like, the main house. And, like, seven more hippies just come out of it. And then he meets, like, Red. I think they call her Red, which is uh, Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Which, she, like, disappeared for years, I feel like. And then, like, she just, like, popped up in this movie. And I was like, oh, shit, that was Dakota Fanning. Uh, Anyway, she kind of plays... She's, like, the one in charge. Temporarily. So so this is a whole build-up. This is a... Like... You definitely have the the sense of danger. Like yes, this is Brad Pitt pulls up. He immediately sees all these hippies, and it's it's kind of like chill, a children of the corn moment. Yeah, because they're 
they're there and then they're gone and it's just not right. And so the tension is building and building and building. And he asks, well, he wants to see his old friend yeah. that, that, that well, he knew lived there. And he asks, is he still here? And they're like, I yeah, he's here. But they're, they're very kind of mysterious about it. And they're kind of like standoffish about talking about the guy that owns the ranch. I think what really helps this scene even further is you can you can watch it as a, like a maybe person without historical context and get that feeling, but I think it adds a layer to it, knowing who like runs the ranch now, and they they don't make, they don't say his full name they always call him Charlie yeah but like if you know you know right. the whole story behind that and you're like oh shit it's like a fucking cult of like which weird is br- again it's fucking so, brilliant writing Tarantino well, yeah. doesn't get enough credit for what he does who else would have made this film and not like we would have seen Char- Charles Manson Manson a hundred fucking times you know, we gotta get God, it right. I haven't even drank um, Charles Manson we don't see him like we saw him the one time when he's going up and he's like you know in a good mood like trying yeah. to get his freaking you know music produced and who would have written it that way Tarantino writes it that way and kind of eliminates you know almost that per- it's almost Tar- probably part of Tarantino's dream is that Charles Manson never fucking existed. And so he's not going to give too much credence or uh, moments in the film itself. And again, that's like unique and strong writing that I'm going to have this moment of tension and you're not going to see him. You know, like you said, you you, uh, brilliantly articulated, he's, you know, he's not there and they're not going to... It's not a focus. It's no. it's a. I'm sorry, you brilliantly articulated. <laughs> it, we know the audience no. knows the history, so yeah. we don't have to have. This isn't a film about Charles Manson. No. It's a film about. We've already said with the storyline, but it's also showing Hollywood and kind of an end of an era, and he, it, it's another one of Tarantino's. Uh, it's a fairy tale, and it that's what it's. Again, so brilliant. Once upon a time in Hollywood. That's why it's, it's a fairy a tale, yeah. and he wants it to be a fairy. And this is Tarantino's fairy tale, and sort of just like he did in Glorious Bastards, it's a fairy tale for the Jewish people. What they wish they could have fucking done to Hitler and all those asshole, you know, Nazi whatever. They, they wish they could have put them all in a theater and burned them alive. Which I and think there's a, is, he makes a reference to it in one of Rick's old movies that they reference. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. And that's why it's Once Upon a Time is threaded so well. And people don't pay attention to titles as much as they should. But but he's, it's a fairy tale of he wished that Charles Man- Manson never existed, never was a part of or got to do what the bad part of hippies did. Um, yeah, and so he's kind of eliminating him. But he's also, like, that's well, great writing. Because we don't need any more fucking stories about Charles Manson. Well, what's what he what you said last week about um, you were never really here. He treats you like an adult. So if you know the Absolutely. history, good. it's even better if you know the history. If, Intelligent if not, writing teaches their yeah. audience intelligently. So, yeah, there's, there's a whole, like, tension there. And, and then, again, it's actually... Alleviated with comedy. 
because then they're like that girl, the the, the character Red, uh, by played by Dakota Fanning, he confronts her, and he's like, "I'm here to see." Um, I forgot the guy, the owner of the ranch's original owner name. His name George Spawn. George so Spawn. It is the Spawn Ranch. George Spawn, and he's like, "She's he, thank you, Mike." And <laughs> And she's uh, she's like he's asleep. You know he's taking his nap. We're gonna be watching these like TV shows later, so he needs to like catch up on his sleep. And um, <sighs> and then she's giving all these like excuses, but because of the tension within the scene, you're like, oh shit, did they kill the fucking old? like you 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 yeah. like they killed the old? Oh shit, this is gonna be dark shit. And as bad as the ranch looks, we're expecting to see a fucking like, skeleton yeah. or like a, a I was. emaciated, mummified, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> body. And so Cliff confronts her. And he's like, one way or another, I'm coming through that door. And, and so she's like, all right, so she she lets him and, in. And again, it's a moment where there's fucking like I was scared. I was like, oh, oh like is he gonna? She gonna shoot him? Is this place booby trapped? Like, what the fuck is he gonna find? What's gonna happen? And there's there's the character Cliff, and he's like, now I'm not leaving until I see his spine. So either you're going to open the door and this little screen isn't going to do much to stop me. Yeah. But he's like handling it like it that also kind of reminded me of his character in Inglorious Bastards. There's a lot of similarities. They're different characters, but in Inglorious Bastards, he was like the um, captain of that uh, team of uh, Jewish men that were uh, going around and and being dropped into places and just obliterating um, the Nazis and um, he's got that same part of his character has that same attitude that that captain did it's like we're not here to be kind or to follow in line we're here to do one thing kill and that's Nazis. to kill Nazis and so he, the, a lot of that kind of you know I felt there was a lot of similarities kind of like calm yeah. Intensive persona. This dude is in charge of yeah. any given situation and moment. And yeah. he does it. Yeah. Um, and that works. And she, she lets him in. And they kind of build up the tension. Like, like slowly moving to the... <laughs> going to the room. And you're like, oh shit, what's he going to find? And then... Yeah, she finds out, a fucking dude. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's exactly what it's everybody... Exa- exactly all the hippies so. had claimed was yep. right there. And he's like, oh, okay. He's napping. But, he's blind. But at first, <laughs> he's like shaking him. And you don't know if the guy's dead. And then he does... Well, and played by no other than... This is what I'm... I love this fucking actor. Do you know who it is? I, I don't, actually. It's Bruce Dern. Bruce um, Dern. Yeah, you... Audience should t- check out Luan Davis if they if they haven't checked out that scene. Everything that Bruce Dern's done, um, he's one of those actors that for a long time was like side roles. Mm. Um, and Luan Davis, you know, I, w- I don't want to say near the end of his career because he's like getting tons of stuff, but you know, he's a very elderly man. And that's another thing that fucking Tarantino does that I love, and it's kind of like it's another art. Mimicking reality, it's sort of a stretch for me to say that, but he brings back aging and kind of actors that have disappeared. Yeah, yeah. so they, they kind of relieve that whole tension scene with Bruce with that kind of like, yeah, Spawn. Yeah. yeah, with this George Spawn So it's a build-up that ends in a, uh, yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah, good. he's fucking with us. But, and uh, that, that interaction between uh, Brad Pitt and Brewster, Brewster and Bruce Dern, 
I would like to talk to Brad Pitt about like how excited he was to be with Bruce Stern and see what that what like that whole you know what that felt like for him. But Bruce Stern is just playing this old guy that's lost his fucking hearing, and all he does is wake up the fuck and watch the uh, the old show, The FBI Files, which is hilarious. Which is hilarious because he's blind. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. blind, and he watches these late night TV shows with Red. Yeah, and they have these wonderful... That, that interaction is really cool. Again, character meets another character, and, and we go yeah. through the same. So, yeah. Anyway. That ends. He goes out. But at that time... So, at the very end of that scene, when he tries to leave, he had borrowed... He was still using Rick's car when he took that girl back to the ranch. Yeah, and that, like, we don't have to, like, say every single thing. Unless, but now. you can, if you, like, did you love that, or yeah. is there some part? Yeah. Yeah, so... Because you, like, take that, you He comes out, and there's another fucking hippie that had, like, Slash. punched his yeah. his tire, and he's like, I'm not fucking leaving until you did it, and he beats the fuck out of this guy. There's our Tarantino violence that we expect. Beats the piss out of the fucker and says, you're gonna fucking change this tire. <laughs> and then more tension... Because Tex, who is Charles Manson's like main guy, come, is like one of the hippies rides out to him and says, "Oh no, there's trouble!" And so he's there's trouble at the old ranch, Paul. <laughs> and he, so he's riding back, and then uh, by the time he gets back, he's already Brad Pitt's left. gone. But that's yeah. yeah. You want to talk? And that that is actually what's so well done is that sets up the final scene uh, in the movie. Which is actually supposed to be the historical Sharon Tate aspect of it. Yes. But it's actually set up here at the ranch with Cliff, which I, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. We'll get to that final scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we but, can talk. talk we're, I don't think we're going to completely tell what it is, but let's just tell the audience. This is what you wish would have happened. Tarantino yeah, does yeah, just yeah. like in Glorious Bastards what what we wish we could have done to Hitler and his band of Nazis. Um, Tarantino does with that bad element and what Charles Manson had set in place um, to happen, and it's it's just I don't know. I don't feel like we should well, like. Okay. I don't know. Unless you, I don't know. Again, it's it's even better if you know the historical context for it, because then you because then you really understand Tarantino's writing and what he's doing with it. Uh, if you don't know the historical context behind it, it's still a great fucking but, scene. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, still, no, still a great absolutely. little setup yeah. that you get with That's a payoff. That's a good point, Ray. Because I just assume. That yeah. everybody has to know what happened with Sharon Tate. And, I don't think uh, a lot of people do. I, that's that's. Scary. I mean, you, you, cause, you know the funny well, thing is... Well, there's not a lot of people. Some people don't know who fucking Cassius Clay is. Well, and goddamn... Yeah. <laughs> well, I get it. Hey, dude. You, listen. As a human being, you need to read a biography on that fucker. You, because here's a dude that was at the peak of his fucking career... And gave it up to say, fuck the government. I'm not going to be a little uh, pawn in your war. So the Vietnam War was a fucked up war. And he refused to go. 
and he lost his like they fucking put him in prison like they and he couldn't fucking box forever and then you know then the everybody realized everybody caught up to fucking Muhammad Ali's intelligence um, and then he got to fight and he still was a fucking champion and he didn't get to, he didn't get to fight when he was at his peak but there was a man that stood up for what do you, do you get what I'm saying I get, like, it's I get a part what you're of history saying. that we have to know about we can't we can't miss these parts of history we just can't like it's it's unconscionable and i'm not i'm not saying it's your fault but it kind of makes me sick that that wasn't part of your education somewhere that you didn't learn something about and also he's a fellow kentuckian grew up in uh louisville louisville Louisville? that's how that's how kentucky people say louisville um pretty cool ass museum down there um I've used him in a, a couple of stories myself, the whole bicycle. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go fucking look it up and read it. Read up on Muhammad Ali. Just a wonderful dude. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say that um, I knew the whole uh, Charles Manson mm-hmm. background. I didn't know about Sharon Tate. So that was another thing uh, in Tarantino's interviews that I learned about and who she was. And that, well, we didn't really talk about Sharon Tate in this. Uh, yeah, movie. we don't have to talk about every single one, but you go ahead uh, and say what yeah. you want to say about it. Um, no, I was going to say, in terms of the historical aspect, again, I didn't know who Sharon Tate was. Then I found out, you know, right. again, through his interviews, who she is and what had happened with fucking horrible Manson Jesus. and all that shit. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely Roman, adds much better. And Roman Polanski. Oh fuck yeah! They, yeah, um, and you know that's what's cool Roman is this Polanski. is also, it is, it is like an education. It's a, it's an education of what Hollywood was then. It's an education of an era, and how he pulled off. Quit. It's all picking up. How yeah. he pulled off, um, all those shots, like every single thing in there. I mean, he 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 didn't. Um, take any shortcuts you know they're driving around and and there's like hundreds of 70s cars and 70s references and i'm sure people know this has been talked about but he just lined the streets and it's not like he's doing any green screen bullshit he fucking set up everything and like long sections of road in hollywood etc um but he's given us a history of that era that time and and kind of educating and kind of like re it's it's what he fucking does man every film it's like in pulp fiction how he brought so many genres back that were being lost he's kind of doing the same thing here in um once upon a time in hollywood he's re-educating or like reminding us of this era and it's uh it's it's just cool and i'm not like I don't think every single thing Tarantino does is the most incredible thing in the fucking world. I get why, you know, even Pulp Fiction, that uh, people think or might be like, well, this is too much action and his storytelling is different, but it's, I don't know. There's so many things that Tarantino has done and is doing that we quite frankly that we need um and i love it and part of it is that not he has no fear 
or he refuses. He is a, I think he's a courageous dude because, like I said, he's not going to cower or bow to the social whim or what's happening at the time. And Lord knows he's been, you know, people have tried to beat him up about everything from violence to inappropriate material, et cetera. And, you know, fuck that. There's no inappropriate material. It's gratuitous. If there's too much violence that has nothing to do with story that's just there to, like, get somebody off on violence, I'm, I'm off. I agree. But that's not what he does. Well, you can tell. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, unless, like, cursing or even accents are gratuitous, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing it. And same thing with violence. The same thing with taboo material. You know, it exists in the world and no, we're not going to evolve if we're not facing, you know, our flaws mm-hmm. and our fuck ups and, yeah. and everything else. And that, that's why I love Tarantino because he's not, he's, well, I love him because he's a great writer. I love him because he's a great filmmaker and I love him because of that. He's not going to cower to the, well, he, he cares more about his craft than, yeah, what people on social media does. have to say. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and given today's like <laughs> piles of crap that we're getting in the entertainment industry, yeah, I, I good. I'm glad he, he would rather focus and respect his craft than, like you said, just yeah. bow to the social world. That's of brilliant. Respect the fucking trendy. craft. Be yeah. courageous. Yeah. Be, be like Tarantino. <laughs> and also, he's still fresh with his shot selection. Um, he does skip breaks like one a couple times when he's, you know, trashing his trailer. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It skips to, jumps mm-hmm. to another. He does that. He does it a couple times. Um, he strikes that low key, that piano key is like, dong, when um, uh, Timothy Oliphant says, hey, was that is that a true story that you were supposed to be cast in the oh, Grayscape? Yeah. And then piano key goes, you know that was cool with the sound, um, with a story about Steve McQueen. He put Steve McQueen in there, uh, and then also I love that. So when they're talking about that, he used the actual film of The Great Escape, and flawlessly, maybe not flawlessly, but pretty fucking brilliantly, uh, he's got. Um, Leonardo, Rick, Rick, but Leonardo is in this an actual scene of the Great Escape. That was brilliant that he did that, and and that there's that he made that choice, and it could not have been easy to take the time and, and to film it. But for an audience, an audience's pleasure, and to see that, do, do you know what I mean? Like it made us really feel like it actually happened. That he was passed over because he couldn't fucking act to that ability i mean basically it was like a hick coming into the scene and just didn't fit this film and so steve mcqueen um a more intelligent actor than rick not leonardo which we see we see steve mcqueen in the movie not the actual steve not the actual guy playing but a guy playing and then uh, that's cool too the party scene uh, at the uh, at Roman Polanski's house. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, another one last thing to say about Sharon Tate you had brought up. Mm-hmm. And I think I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And 
one of the cool things I loved was that he shows like kind of more kind of empathy for, for this like it's it's lost like her abilities and he shows the actual film that she was in and he shows this character that sees her um, name up on the, the movie theater uh, what do you call that the, come on this is terrible Mike what's the the marquee. The marquee. Thank you. She yeah, sees yeah. her name and she's like, "Oh, oh my God, there's my name. That's cool." And she goes in and she tells the people, "Hey, I'm in this film. Can I like?" And they like take her picture. But there's this these cool moments, and she's enjoying. She's sitting in the theater, seeing her do her craft, which yeah. she had to work her ass off and did. And she's kind of got her moment. And I love that he shows that he chose to show Sharon Tate because he humanizes. Her, which in our history gets lost because it's all focus again on Charles Manson and like the evil and that and if this doesn't show that Tarantino isn't gratuitous I don't know what does because he chose to focus on Sharon Tate and like re-educate an audience on what this skilled actress did and what was what we lost then on fucking Charles Manson which you know what I mean was the evil which you could say is it's like violent, you know, like a, a almost a sexual, like how people get so caught up in the deviancy of, of these killings and things. And he chose to focus on her and like show that she had this wonderful career. And I, again, I know I'm, I'm like kissing Tarantino's ass, but it's true. Like the things that I'm saying are true. It's not like I'm making this up or that it doesn't exist. The evidence is there that he did it, you know? I don't know. What do you think? I completely agree. Sad that we're only going to get one more movie out of him, but that's what the man wants to do, so... I know. It's fucking It's kind of cool. It's kind of it cool. It is. It is kind of cool. But he, like, he, it's weird to think that he, he, he had that plan before he even got to, like, the level he is. I don't know. I kind of... I think he had some kind of, like, whatever. I don't want to, like... Like, I think Tarantino said to himself, I don't want to go too long or keep going. And there's a dude, a master of study, the study of film. He studied fucking film. He watched it. Um, He looked at it. He didn't get a education, per se. Right. Um, His education was watching it and being excited about it and... I'm sure he made a decision. I don't want to go like some directors or some people that just can't give it up and just keep going. But I don't know that he actually... I would love to call him on this. I don't know if he actually said, I'm only going to create this many films and that's it. As he went on, he he definitely... He did. He's been, okay. saying, he's been saying it for the last... I think Couple. since the... Seventh or eighth film? I don't know. It's maybe it's longer than that. But he's but he's so he's been saying it for that. I think much. it came out around maybe when the Hateful Eight, yeah, came out. Which is that his eighth film? Is that why Hateful? Is that I I've lost. I don't track know if there's any kind, of, but yeah, I think that's eight. Okay. Yeah, I think that's around the time word started coming out that he was only going to do uh, do ten. But yeah, that's we can only hope. Other directors and artists were inspired by that to like. I don't think achieve. we need to hope. I just fucking Tarantino's the shit. Huh? He's left his mark. That's fuck yeah. yeah. Oh, you want? That's all you can hope of, for. I keep thinking of how 
Pulp Fiction when the wolf gets called in. I don't know why. The wolf gets called in and they're like, oh, it's because Tarantino's acting in that film. Yeah. You know, in Pulp Fiction, and the wolf's called in oh, to clean yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, and Tarantino's yeah, yeah. like, my fucking wife! I'm not going to lose my fucking wife! What do you mean? What you? It's like, scream, but that that just, I don't know, it's quintessential. It's great. Quint- yeah. Quintessential. Quint- you know what's weird? It's weird that he didn't make a cameo in this one. Yeah, it's a, it's not weird. It's all right. It might show growth. I'm not saying either way. Like it matters. Like that he had to, or he, sh- or it's cool. That I, ne- I never saw it as an ego thing. I just saw it as like a fun. Oh, it's like a director. Well, little, he doesn't little. do it in um, Django, either. No, does he does. He does. What's what? he's like that prospector that gets blown up. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> with right. the dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. Which is yeah, he's pulling the old uh, Hitchcock by doing his little cameos and shit. Yeah, that's cool. I, I fuck it, it is. He's just shit. You got anything else you want? Nah, man. I think we pretty much covered everything except for the we few did. good parts. Uh yeah. I know. I mean, I know we don't rate movies, but I'd say like watch it. Oh, this is definitely, fuck yeah! People definitely. I think people yeah, definitely need to. You to watch can't this not one. watch it. In 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 so many ways. He's getting better, and yet I'll still say I don't want to. I don't want to grade his movies. I don't want to say this is better than this one or that one. But there's elements in here that are definitely showing um, he's evolving. Yeah. He's still evolving. Um, so you, you gotta fucking. That's you cool. have to see this. I know it's a two and a half hour movie, but like it really doesn't feel like that. No, long. it doesn't. And <laughs> it's so well paced. So audience. Audience, you heard us talking about this, and there, we, there's so many storylines or little uh, snips that we didn't talk about that it, it, it's just packed full of. So, and I was looking at the cast, and there's like, I mean, I think it's like close to a hundred fucking people in the cast, and it's, um, yeah, you're not going to be bored. You're going to be entertained. Anybody that's a, you know. Um, Wanting to be a writer or a filmmaker, you should you should watch it. And just anybody who wants to be entertained, um, it's it's good stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, one one thing I was gonna say. So Ray and I have been talking about. Right, I was talking about this, and Paul Thomas Anderson had said, "Well, I talked about it here." The men like these kind of fading dudes that like you're like the misogynist and when I was a kid when I was a fucking kid like how many times did you women do this men do it where you watched a film and you're like I want to be like Mm -hmm. I want to be like him or I want to be like her and you like you emulate and you you know you you dude I almost wanted to be an archaeologist because of Indiana Jones yeah that's right we we talk about that if you want to go back to one of our prior episodes uh, that's one of like my like childhood yeah Movies that I was like I would watch, and just like the character is so charismatic, you just get drawn to them. Yeah, yeah, no, they, yeah, those kind of characters are. Is it's just I don't want to say fading away. I don't think they're fading away. I think they just. It's they've been overshadowed, (laughs) unfortunately, by I will say, not as good filmmaking. Oh yeah. Um, not as good writing, mm-hmm. some some also crappy writing, and a lot of it has to do with the social whim of politically correctness. And so one of the things that that uh, 
I was talking to Ray about the Paul Thomas Anderson and how he's talking about leading men and shit mm-hmm. like that. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to do, uh, we're, we're at least going to show the films of this, what we need more of. And it's like men in film and fucking stro- strong women. I, I know I said strong women. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a South Park fan. I'm not, I'm not being a part of social women. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna highlight. No, no, no. We're gonna talk about re- films. That's where women, where women properly, m- properly written and active, strong female characters. Absolutely, fucking yes. And also men. And so and men. We're men. So, and Ray and I both love Benicio del Toro. We think Fuck he feels yeah, in that. He fits in that category. James uh, Brolin, fucking for sure. So many people in the past. You know, I think uh, Paul Newman's one of them. But mm. all these films. Um, that you know, we're gonna do Sicario for sure. Yeah, it's one of our. I love that. I love the first one. Uh, I finished yeah. the first one. I gotta watch the second one. Yeah, and there's fucking. There's brilliant. an awesome fuck. It's not awesome. It's not actually. It's pretty fucking dark when you think uh, when I explain it. But as a personal story anecdote, I have regarding Sicario and the aspect of it. So can't yeah. wait to, to share sure. that. All right, I think we're done. We're. We're, I hope we're not. I don't think we've ever done our. our an, hour, an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 ah, that's cool, man. We just well, that, see, that, that's a great thing though when you have constant things to say about. Yeah. A about movie. A or, yeah. Yeah. Break it down that way. It's awesome. Yeah. You want to sign us off? Sure, man. Uh, I man, let me. <laughs> I'm Ray Jorgov. Go ahead and say me too. This is my co-host, Blaze Weller, and we are the Film Dicks. Thank you and good night. See you next week. Tarantino, come to our show and talk to us. Let's fucking get him on the show, dude. If we can get him on the show... Oh, I bet. I bet. I bet. I, I piss my I pants. I bet I can. I piss my pants. I bet you... I'm, Do I'm it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Do it. We might cut this part up, but anyway. See y'all.